Hey, podcast people, how's it going? Azrin, the language nerd here. I hope you're having a fantastic night or day, I suppose, depending on what time you're listening to this episode here. This is episode number four, I believe, of Mid of Midnight Talks. If you haven't listened to Midnight Talks before, it's pretty straightforward. It's a podcast episode that I post and I record around midnight because around midnight or really late at night, could be 11 p.m., 1 a.m., late at night, that's when I get a lot of the ideas and thoughts that dictate my actions during the daytime. I get a lot of my best ideas at nighttime. Um, a lot of my, a lot of the core decisions that I make, a lot of the 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 behaviors that I have on a day-to-day basis are based around thoughts that I have, thoughts that I have at nighttime. Now, the first thing that I was thinking about today and also yesterday as well, to be honest, is about boundaries. So what are boundaries? Well, boundaries can mean a lot of things. Boundaries can mean deciding when you hang out with people and when you don't. Some people struggle with that boundary. They're invited to go do something and they do it. They say yes, even though they don't really want to because they have a fear of missing out. Boundaries can be personal boundaries. When do you work? When do you not work? If someone asks you for help, do you just say yes, even though you don't want to? Or do you think about it and and make a decision based on the boundaries that you've set? So boundaries are incredibly important. I think they're they're crucial. That being said, I saw something really interesting that got me thinking of, thinking about boundaries the other day. I saw someone post on their social media saying that previously this individual felt that she got she got along with everybody. She was friendly with everybody. She would get along with basically anybody. But over time, she's found that as she set up more and more boundaries, she gets along with less and less and less people and her social circle gets smaller and smaller. And it was interesting. It was interesting to see that. And I suppose what it made me think about is physical versus mental boundaries. I think sometimes when you're setting up boundaries for yourself, right, especially when it comes to boundaries that involve other people, a conversation that often comes up is cutting people out of your life. Cutting people out, or maybe a better way to put it, is being selective with who you spend your time with and who you're surrounding yourself with. Because ultimately, who you spend your time with is a huge indicator of your quality of life. And not just your quality of life, but a lot of the decisions you make too. If everybody you hang out with feels a certain way or views the world in a certain way, that has an influence on you and it has an impact on you. And so when you're having this discussion around boundaries, especially when it comes to boundaries with other people, people often talk about being selective with who you hang out with and how much time you spend with particular people. And sometimes, in my experience, when we picture cutting someone quote unquote, quote unquote, cutting someone out of our lives. In my experience, or maybe maybe it's just me, I don't know. But what I think about sometimes is you physically cutting someone out of your life. You making the decision to stop talking to someone and stop spending time with someone, or even to spend less time with someone and and talk to someone less than you used to. 
And I think there are certain situations where that is appropriate. There's lots of situations where that's appropriate. Abusive relationships, someone who makes you feel bad, someone who takes advantage of you, et cetera, et cetera. But an, another type of boundary that I think is important to, to, to discuss and bring up as well are mental boundaries. Sometimes you're unable to cut someone physically out of your life. It's really difficult. Sometimes it's actually next to impossible. For instance, maybe you work with someone and you work in the same building. Maybe you share the same office space or whatever. You can't really physically cut them out unless you quit that job. And maybe quitting that job is something that's not practical for you in this moment because of your financial situation, this, that, the other thing. And so in those kinds of situations, I think it's important to understand, it's important to actually build and create mental boundaries that even though you share the same physical space, you've created a mental boundary between you and that other person. I think that's something to, it's something to think about and it's something to do. You can cut someone off physically. You can cut someone off mentally. You can distance yourself from someone physically, and you can also distance yourself mentally. For instance, there have been people in, in my life, throughout my lifetime, that I, that I used to spend time with that I in the past, and I, I didn't really have a mental boundary with them. So the things that they would say, the things that they would do, they would affect me on an emo they would affect me emotionally. They'd make me unhappy or sad or angry or upset. And they'd impact my quality of life in a negative way. So when I created mental boundaries, one person in particular I could think of in the past that I used to see. Very it was very difficult to create a, to create a physical boundary with this person. But a mental boundary was possible. And the mental boundary I created was, hey. We're going to be in the same physical space, but I'm not going to be emotionally invested in the words that come out of their mouth. I'm going to hear them because I was in an environment where I had to hear this person. We kind of saw each other and blah, blah, blah. But I'm not going to be emotionally invested in the words that come out of this person's mouth. So that was my mental boundary. It wasn't a physical one, but a mental boundary. And I think mental boundaries are just as important as physical boundaries because those physical boundaries where you actually spend less time with someone or stop seeing someone, stop talking to someone, speak to someone less, etc. Sometimes those aren't possible and all you can do is create that mental boundary. You know, it's kind of like I uh, I saw this video of there's like this 14, 15 year old guy, kid really, and he's talking about how his home life is really, really bad and he lives at home with his family obviously because he's 14 or 13 or 15 or whatever. And it's you can't create a physical boundary there. It's very difficult to create a physical boundary. But you can create a mental boundary. And I was watching a video where the guy gave him advice. He's like, hey, listen, if you're at home, you have to have your AirPods in your ears. Because you have to be lit you have to listen. You have to listen. You, you have to put positivity in your ears. You have to listen to things that make you happy. Right. Listen to whether it's music or escapism or podcasts or motivational content or whatever it is. It's different for everybody. He's like, put it in your ears because that at least creates a separate kind of boundary. You can't physically separate yourself from your abusive family, but you can mentally separate yourself 
by putting positivity in your ears through your headphones. So it's creating those mental boundaries. Understanding mental boundaries, I think, is equally as important as physical boundaries. <clears throat> the other thing I was thinking a lot about, uh, I would say today. Today I was thinking a lot about this. I was thinking about um, finances. And I was thinking about finances in, in two separate ways. Personal finances and donations. Charity. Let's say charity. Let's say charity and personal finances. Two really big things I was thinking about today. When it comes to personal finances, there are quite a few people, quite a few people who struggle with savings. They don't have savings. They live paycheck to paycheck. There are lots of people like this. And I think that's not good. I think it's, I think it's important for people to have savings. Because when a global pandemic hits or you lose your job or things, when shit hits the fan, for lack of a better term, when that happens, it's, it can, it's important to have a rainy day fund. It's important to have some money left over so you can buy food, pay for groceries, etc. If we level that conversation up a little bit more, and this is something I don't do very well, actually, something I think about. The concept of having savings is basically the same. It's the, the, the father, the root, that's a better word, the root of having savings is basically being prepared for bad or adverse scenarios. So one thing I think a lot about is, hey, Azrin, what's gonna, whatever happens if the infrastructure of homes and how we live, what happens if that goes away? What happens if something happens, a natural disaster, or who knows what happens, war, who knows, right? Where suddenly the infrastructure of electricity, internal heating, and your home goes away. Because the way we've lived in our homes right now, like in Calgary, for example, if you look at how long human beings have been on this planet, the way that we currently weather the elements and survive in our homes and live in homes as we do now, and use electricity and things of that nature, technology. It's very new in terms of the history of the earth and the history of human beings. And so who's to say this is not the generation where we lose the house, right? Something happens and now we don't live in homes anymore. Who knows what that is? It's very difficult to imagine that. But I don't know how to survive outside in the elements. I don't know how to do that. And I think about that a lot. I'm like, man, that's that's not good. Like the same way I feel that it's important to save money the same reason I feel it's important to save money. It's basically like if something bad happens, you've got some savings to take care of yourself. Well, the reality is I also think about the fact that, man, if Azrin, if you lose your home, if something happens and you got to live outside, you don't know how to do that. It's important to know how to do that. That's an important skill that I do not have. So I think about what would I do in that situation? How would I survive? I probably need to have developed that skill set. It's on my list of things to do. Anyway, going back to finances because I want to make sure we stay on topic. Um, <clears throat> it's important to have savings. I think that's very important. Now, a lot of people who hear that think, well, I live paycheck to paycheck. I don't earn a lot of money. What do I do? So I, I, was, I was thinking about a couple of things that I actually listened to a podcast today and one person said something. I was like, duh, that's the most obvious thing. This is very obvious. When it comes to savings, there's, there's a couple of things. Number one, for a lot of people, you have to look yourself in the mirror and figure out how do you earn extra money? How do you earn more than what you earn now? 
That's an important question. How do you earn more money than what you earn now? Let me give you a couple options. Uh, the easiest thing is if you have stuff in your house that you don't use anymore, sell it online. You have old clothes you don't wear anymore, sell them. Put them on Craigslist or eBay or, or Etsy or whatever it is. Is it picking up another job? Is it doing some part-time tutoring? Is it doing... Like what do you want? Like what you have some for some people it's it's a you have to earn a little bit more money because you're right, your finances are in such a place where it's really difficult to make cuts. Perhaps it's impossible to make cuts. Sometimes that can happen. The second thing is, well, you have to look at how can you save more money? How do you save more? What can you cut out? What subscriptions are you are you paying for right now? Monthly subscriptions that you're not actually using? Can you can you scare up fifty dollars a month by doing that? right? I think it's really important. It's really important. Super important. I think savings also finances, personal finances anyway, goes into another territory as well, um, which is self-esteem. I think self-esteem is one thing that gets tied up with finances as well, because sometimes the reason someone is, is unable to save or doesn't have savings, will be tied to their self-esteem. They're making purchases to cover their low self-esteem. They're buying things to cover their self-esteem. So telling them they have to save, spend less, well, the root of the problem is self-esteem, right? Or there's, all, there's often a root as to what's causing the financial problems. So it's, it's a complex, it's a, in theory, it's reasonably simple to have savings. There's very simple steps people can follow to earn some extra money, and there's very simple steps that people can follow in order to simplify their life. In theory, it's very simple. In practice, it's very difficult. But it's incredibly important. And I know that I feel like people listening to the podcast, them listening to me hear this, and and then them, them hearing this go in their ears, I don't think anyone's going to make any changes in their life. I, I don't think so, even though I believe it's incredibly important to do so. I just don't think anybody will. If, if anybody does after hearing this, I mean, that would be amazing. But it doesn't, change the, it doesn't change the importance of doing so. If one of you even just heard this and made a change, I think that would be worth the 15 minutes I've sat here and making the, make this podcast. But anyway, when it comes to finances as well, I think a lot about charity too. Um, I, I, I give money to charity. Um, I used to do it every year, but I haven't. I save a, a portion of my money that goes to charity. And I used to every year donate money to charity, but I haven't done it for a few years. So it's, I have a larger sum of money saved up for charity than I typically would. And I was looking at some charities to donate to uh, this year before 2021 rolls around. And I was doing my research because with charities, I've heard or rather I've, I've read headlines of certain charities that don't use their money very efficiently. As in you give them $100, but 60 dollars of that 100 does not actually go to the cause that you donated towards. So I was doing some research and seeing what charities make sense and which ones are very efficient with their spendings and this and that and the other thing. I was doing all the research. And here's what blew my mind. It, I, it really, really stuck with me. The amount that is donated to charities is lower than what I expected. For example, Doctors Without Borders is apparently one of the, the larger charities in America, in, 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 in the United States. And, and I believe 
I should actually Google this so I give a right number here. Hang on one sec. Let me Google this right now. There we go. Doctors Without Borders. Where's the website I was looking at? Hang on a sec here. Let me open this up. Okay. Doctors Without Borders. Um, I want to get the number here. Financial. No, not this one here. Let me go to... Well, I hope I can find it here. Okay, I think this is it right here. Okay, yeah, Doctors Without Borders. This is Doctors Without Borders USA, okay? Uh, let's go to the... Uh, let me go to their financial section. Uh, financials, where is it? Accountability, independent. Hang on, sorry, bear with me, guys. This is important, though. Okay, here we go. Um... Sorry, one second. Uh, got it. Okay. So Doctors Without Borders in, I suppose this was last year. Looks like 2018, actually. 2018, they received, it looks like 390 from random people. Let's maybe a better way to view it is this. Um, actually, yeah. Well, let's look at this. They received three hundred ninety million seven hundred ninety thousand nine hundred thirty nine dollars in contributions, gifts, and grants. Okay. Um, that's how much they received in terms of uh, contributions. They received some other federal contributions and things like that too. But from looks like the largest category of their contribution, gifts, and grants was three hundred. Let's call it just shy four hundred million dollars. That's obviously a lot. That's a lot of money raised. And that's, that's amazing. Great stuff. Fantastic. And most of that goes towards their actual program. So it wasn't towards their operating costs, which is also amazing. Also really, really, really good. Okay. Um, and I was looking at a whole bunch of different charities and some are smaller, some are bigger and this and that and the other thing. But ultimately, I suppose one thing that I thought about was just as I was looking at different charities, while there's lots of money being donated, and that's amazing that there's lots of money being donated. That's, that's great. Fantastic. I, I suppose I want more money to be donated. I, I would like to see the donation numbers at certain charities higher. Like as I was looking at numbers, like $394 million is a lot of money, obviously. That's a lot. But, but when you look at, what's the thing that bothers me? I suppose, I don't know. $394 million going towards charities and different causes is amazing and does a lot of good. But, I suppose I thought in my head, I was like, man, a large charity should be having a billion dollars of donations. That's kind of where my mind went. I was like, man, that would be an ideal kind of scenario. And for that to happen, of course, there's people like you and me who are not necessarily quote unquote super wealthy or rich, just kind of the average Joe, right? We might give a little bit of charity. And of course, it requires people like us to give. And I'm, I'd be very curious to see what percentage of people do give any amount of money to charity. I'd be very interested to see what that number is. I'm not sure what it is. 
my gut says that it's a good percentage of people, but my gut says that there's a huge percentage of people that don't give anything to charities. Something to think about. But it also means that people that are extremely wealthy, right? People that do earn $200 million a year, right? What percentage of that $200 million that they're earning per year is going towards charity? Now, in many cases, that a lot of it does for many people, which is fantastic. But I suppose... I don't know, like when I look at that $394 million a year in that whole year donated by X number of people, <clears throat> I suppose I, I would just like to see that number be higher. It's a great number and that's amazing and there's lots of charities and and lots of money's being donated. That's amazing. I would just like to, that money to be higher. So I think about that. Something I, th I was th something I was thinking about. I was like, man, you know, I would like that number to be higher and looking myself in the mirror. I don't, I don't donate enough myself. I don't even like here I am. I, I suppose what I was thinking, the reason, one thing I was thinking about is that I'd like that number to be higher. And yet I don't do, I don't do enough of my own small part. I'm not going to be the guy who goes and donates $50 million. I just don't have anywhere near that kind of money. It's not going to be me. But instead of donating my, instead of donating 500, like the fact that I haven't donated money in, in like three years is a problem. Like that's not okay. Right, like those numbers could have been three hundred dollars a year higher if I just donated something. That could have been, I don't know, ten kids' lives or hundred fifty kids' lives that could have been changed in different countries. That I just, I don't even know why I didn't do it. Don't even know. Don't even know. So I'm like, I'm looking myself in the mirror, like, man, my own apatheticness, if that's the right word, my own apathy. There we go, apathy or not thinking about it, is part of the problem. And there's lots of other people that are like me too, and they're all very, very good people, and it wasn't intentional, and this, that, the other thing. So I was thinking about, like, man, how does that change? What, what, like, what do we do about that? What do we do about that? How do you make it so, like, how do you make it so that that happens less frequently? It's like um, voting, right? It's when you look at the number of people that don't vote. It's an interesting, it's an interesting statistic. There's a lot of people who don't vote. And it's like, how does that happen? Why is it happening? How do you... Like, what's happening there, right? What's happening? Why does that happen? What's the psychology? How do you change that? So, yeah, there's some thoughts that are going through my mind. I have some more things I, I could talk about today, but I have some language-related things that, that do come to mind. Um, what time is it? Let me see here. <sighs> I do have some language things I could talk about that are that are definitely on my mind tonight that are a little bit new and innovative and, and such but i think it's a little bit late and i would like to get to sleep so maybe we'll save them for another time okay everybody thank you for listening i appreciate your attention we'll talk later bye for now see you